0: Hi, I'm Bill Murray. I'm tired right now, but I still have the strength, the energy, and the commitment to listen to glory days of gold. And it's helping,
1: it, it, it's helping. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that last did the course banner. All conquering East Fife.
2: I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 and I was just a boy I knew I'd have to wait those broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days at might return once
1: more Bonjour, bonjour! Come on, fae Nous sommes les garçons de la nouvelle Vu sar la i am Michael McCall Anthony
3: Gillis Bonjour, je m'appelle Douglas Bonjour, je m'appelle Andrew Warner et je suis une baguette.
1: I'm guessing you two guys did French at school. I did oui, German. Oui. I did German too, as yeah. my pronunciation there probably made that very much aware. Um, yes, I am a donut. <laughs> but you are listening to Glory Days of Gold. The East Fife and Scottish Football podcast, and we're cock a hoop in some ways. Are cocks more flaccid in other ways? Yes. Interesting. After how
4: question. cold it was at Bayview yesterday, I genuinely almost had to put a hot water bottle on my Toby just so I could find it for the piss that I really needed. <laughs> because it was absolutely Baltic yesterday.
1: We are the caring and sharing podcast. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot of football. It might be a short show if we just talk about East Fife. We'll see how that goes. But before we get into any of that, let's just hear from this episode's sponsors. We are Maze Mortgages. We're five base mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high quality,
3: personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Just send us a message via Facebook to find out more. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes
1: available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Thanks as always to May's Mortgages and East Fife Community Football Club for their continued support of the podcast. They support us. Go and support them. So yes, East Fife now, Bonnie, Rick, Rose now. Seem pretty pish.
4: Pish would be a major improvement from how wank that was yesterday, to be honest. Um, the poor guy, Stephen, who I've sat at these five games at the start of the season, as we walked back to the car yesterday saying, why the fuck did you get me into this? Direct quote. And I was like, oh, I thought it would be good. Um, and it really wasn't. Do you not I, like him? I, a Bit of a knob, to be honest. Oh, um, but... Fair. You know, fair enough, I, you know, I was just trying to secure some investment for the club. <laughs> um, in all honesty, we could have played all day yesterday and not scored. And I mean, I think we're on one point from a possible 12. Is that right? Um, it's, it's, I'd say it's it was
1: 11 from 30, which makes it sound bad. One from 12 probably sounds worse. <laughs>
4: Well, we've, we've still not won a game since Greg got the permanent job, which... Or since we interviewed him. Yeah, pretty much the kiss of death, um, which is, is obviously a massive concern, and I'm sure that, that he'll be concerned as well. But the one thing that, I, that, that we really advocated Greg for the job for was the style of play and the football we're playing, like, I mean... Doug was with me up at at Forfar, and we were together at uh, Bonnyrig as well. And the the style of football was outstanding, you know, fast-paced, ball on the ground. You know, Healy and Baldy working well together. Ferguson was playing excellent. And then it's just like all that's gone. I mean, yesterday, I lost count of the amount of times we hoofed the ball up the park. It's like we've, we've reverted to type under what we were under Crawford long ball up to, to Shepard who loses the header or he manages to flick it on to nobody. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to be too pessimistic because after the game yesterday, inevitably there was a lot of it and I'm trying to to be as positive as I can, but it's becoming increasingly difficult because the football's not good. Although we managed to stop a very poor Bonnyrigg league team scoring yesterday, they still had chances that against a, a, a better team would have scored um and I, th- I think Stran and I will do us next week to be
1: honest. But from watching the highlights, there didn't seem much in it. But like Doug, Andrew, were you both at the game or Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sad, sad people. <laughs> Dude, I was what are Cup games on? Devoted. And it's people like you
4: that because our attendance was so low yesterday.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna come to that. Um so like let' let's start with you then doug what were can you think of a, a better word than pish? um <laughs> probably not um I should say actually yeah. a more optimistic word than Pish
0: I think it was funny pos- I had a I had my old works now on Friday night so it was really hungover and <laughs> I must have gone back and forth with am I going to this game? Up till like five minutes before I left, because I looked out. I looked out the window, and it was pissing down the rain. And I was like, "Oh, am I going to do this?" And I was like, "Right, okay." Eventually, I agreed to go. Um, and it was a terrible decision. Uh, it was so cold, like it really was freezing. Um, and it was fine. I, I actually sat with Andrew and our friend Ewan, their kids. So it was a lot of the in the sort of young Pfeiffer type section, which
1: great <laughs> for a hangover.
0: Well, I said at the start of the game, it's actually it's quite good for me because I have to be quite reserved. And then I had one—I'm not going to say what it was—but I had one outburst of swearing where I was like, oh, "Shit, I've totally forgot where I'm Like I'm saying, but it wasn't—it uh, wasn't good. The, the only thing I will say is we did look a bit more solid at the back with playing a back three. We kept a clean sheet for the first time in God knows how long, so. I'll I'll be the one that starts off with a wee positive and say that was, uh, that was good. But no, we definitely could have played all day and not scored.
1: I was going to say that, Andrew, as well. It's like you guys on the show last week were talking about the fact that we haven't kept a, a clean sheet and I guess maybe it's clutching at straws, but it's the positive. I, I, I said in the show last year when we were going through that terrible spell, at least if we can keep the ball out of the back of the net, we've at least got a point. So it's something to build on.
3: Yeah, 100%. Um, that was the one and only positive. That and I guess the fact that it's kind of stopped that run of defeats. It is a point on the board. Um, the clean sheet, which is good. Other than that, to try and find positives, you'd be struggling, you know? <laughs> in all honesty. Um, it wasn't good. It wasn't a great performance. But I listened to um, Greg's interview after the game and I think he alluded to the fact that they've obviously been working on defending, which is absolutely understandable. And and I think it's maybe has gone a wee bit too far the other way looking at yesterday. Um, as Lee quite rightly said, if we take the last game against Bonnie Rigg, um we played unbelievable football. Same formation again yesterday was used and it was a completely different outcome. Um, I dare say that's partly down to how Bonnie Rigg played, probably way really on the, the back of the last game against us. They've been in reasonable form. Um, and I just think that um, as Greg pretty much said, to be fair, we probably went too far the other way yesterday. It was, let's really focus on this clean sheet and I think that's been done um, which has really, I guess, had a negative impact on the other end of the pitch who have been so good um, and that's, I suppose, a worry, I feel like, but to stick to the positives as a clean sheet is a point and it stops that row of defeats and, if we, and next week's obviously another huge game.
1: I mean, the, the thing is, whilst it's a positive to keep that clean sheet, you're focusing... On doing that against a team that's right down at the bottom of the table, and yeah, they've been picking up points here and there to keep themselves still alive. And I saw so many folk after the game yesterday that were saying stuff like, Bonnie are terrible" and etc. etc. and oh, we, we we're not worse than them. They'll go down. We'll never go down. They've taken four points from us this year. We've only taken four points from them. So. It's like, are we that much better?
4: Can I interject? Okay. Um, I, I will, because I do want to preface the fact that that form is a massive thing, right? And I, I said yesterday, we look really low on confidence. I fancy us if we score first that we'll win most games. And... Um, I'll probably somebody will probably correct me on a fact, and I'll get an email that 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 tweet caught me a dickhead or something like that. But I feel like if we score first, that will the will go on and win games because I think that the young players in our team need that lift, particularly at home. We just look really nervy. Our setup yesterday, I actually the, the my only point was that I kind of felt like Jack Healy should should start. Um, Liam Newton isn't a left back. I've said that a million times. Um, he gives you energy and he'll, he'll run all day for you but I, he's, that's not his position I still don't understand what the, the issue with Williamson is and obviously we've asked we've asked Greg and he said that you know he's, he's chapping on the door but that there's got to be something else there the fact that we've got a left wing back and he's not playing
1: Is he chapping at the right door? Is he maybe in the the wrong dressing room? I don't know something? we'll
4: maybe need to give, a, give him a map or something like that um, but you know I'll, I'll be honest and say our experienced players are the ones letting us down and I'll just say it.
1: Um, well, I saw a couple of comments saying that, that it's, it's not the it's young fact. guys that's letting them down, it's the older it's guys.
4: Fact. Yeah. Troughton does not look interested to me.
1: Um,
4: he doesn't. Um, I, I feel like he, he's putting in half a shift um, and I, I completely disagree with, with Greg's comments where he said that he, that Trout's will put in a shift. I, I don't think that at all. I think that he's – the way that we looked like we set up yesterday it was three five two, 5 and Trouton is coming so deep to get the ball to try and do whatever he wants to do with it, that it's leaving Shepard isolated up top. And I, was, I, I again, something I've said several times, we've played our best football with Shivoni in the team, and that's because him and Shepard seem to be able to work well with each other. They're both quite quick. They both get themselves into the right positions. But because Trouton's dropping in so deep to try and get on the ball, he's, he's leaving Shepard isolated. And I don't think that, that Shepherds a number nine. Again, something I've said all season, we really need a big January. But, and we do need a big January. But my concern is with the, the footfall into the club dwindling if there's, there's going to be enough money there for, for reinforcements. Now, Greg and Stevie both said there's a budget there that needs to be used in January. But well, where's we, the Jude it, Smith money? Well, I don't know. You never know what that's going on. I mean, and it depends on how much we got. I've heard everything from 10k to 25 So you never know how much we actually received. I think there's definitely stuff for, for add-ons there. So let's hope that he gets sold to... Nottingham Forest for a couple of million or something like that, and we can get a decent windfall. But, I mean, we need to to, to invest. We need a striker, as in an out-and-out striker. We need a centre-half to be challenging steal, um, and steal Denham, because although they, they were both okay yesterday, I still feel like there's a lot of times you watch them, they're both square on, and, and teams that have got the attack in now to to really expose that, will expose it. Like next week against Stranraer again, I, I fancy it to be 2-3-0 um, at the rate that we're going at just now. And we need both fullbacks. We need a right and a left because I think that the, the reason that your your Mercers, your Troutons, your Murdochs are not up to par just now is because there's nobody breathing down their necks to to come in. And they're probably pissed off at playing with a bunch of kids. I get that. I really do get it. But unfortunately, it's where we are. So we either heavily invest... I say heavily, but we need four players, maybe five. Because you look it again at the bench and... You know, when when Brogan Walls comes back, that adds a bit to it. Conor McManus comes back, that adds to it. Rabian Omar comes back, that adds to it. But again we're okay in the centre of the pack obviously Brogan Walls comes in but he either, that means he either drops Miller or he drops Ferguson or if he plays the same formation yesterday does he drop Baldy because Baldy was playing in the middle so I, I, I'm not sure who Walls comes in for in those three Rabin Omar comes in obviously he plays on the wing does he come in over Healy does he come in over um, Zhao if Jouer's out on a wing and Conor McManus, you know, somebody said to me, he's, um, he's one of the best players on our team. I, I don't think he takes the place of Kieran Miller for me. I think Kim Miller's a better player. So obviously it adds a little bit to our bench, but then you've also got Pat Slattery who plays in the middle of the park. So two of the players that are coming in are in the centre of the park. And I don't think that the players that are coming back are positions that we need the strength and depth in.
1: Because... Mm, Again, a lot of the comments I saw yesterday talked about those three guys being out and saying when they all come in, they're all going to be starters. And I wasn't sure that they would be. So interesting you hear him saying that. Shivoni, I take it he's not able to go a full 90, which is why he only came on for about 10 minutes or so.
0: He's been out yeah, for five or six games. I think Greg said that in his interview that he was only on the bench last week just for numbers, I think, but with no intention of... Uh, been ready to play. But even when he came on yesterday, you just saw a little bit more pace and directness um, in the play. So I think, yeah, he could be a big one coming back. I, I think there's definitely just a stillness just now, like Lee said. I think players are comfortable, but they're not confident. And therefore, you know, you've not got that worry of, of getting dropped. I mean, I thought Murdoch looked good defensively yesterday in that three, but he's, for a guy of his experience, his confidence is gone. Like his passing is horrendous just now. And it has been the last two or three weeks. And he's, he was always a seven and a half, eight out of 10 every week, just very solid, really good, you know, defender. And I just think the way he's been chopped about from right center half, a three, left back, right back. I mean, it just, he's the sort of guy just, Get them in a position and stick with it. And I thought the, th- the back three looked better yesterday, but for me, the, the younger players are the ones that are good. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 not... We are being let down by our senior players and the fact that I, I don't see many of those young players that you would drop, to be totally honest. It's all the older guys.
4: What, what frightened me yesterday was the amount of times that Murdoch gave the ball away. And I get that he's trying to be positive, He's running forward with the ball, and I mean, he gave the ball away five times, and that's just off the top of my head. The, the one particularly I remember in the second half is he's he's like traveling with the ball, and he's looking like he's going to be really positive. He makes a square pass in the middle of the park. There's nobody there, and instantly we're on the back foot. Um, we we just I, I don't know what's going on with these boys, but the, ultimately, I mean, Stuart. Murdoch's played at the top level, you can play in Scotland. Scott Mercer's played in the championship. Um, Alan Troughton's played in the championship. Um, you know, Scott Shepherd. I you know, I I I struggle to criticise his abilities effort because he'll run his balls off for you. But I mean those three in particular are letting us down week after week.
1: Are those going to be the guys that's easier to move on in January, would you think? Or is it going to be tough because they're going to obviously be commanding bigger wages than the younger guys and There's if they're not, not a playing that great, we to We can't afford
4: to let them go, Michael. Hmm. We can't afford to let them go. And I don't want us to let them go, but they need to up their game. I, I feel like you you'll, get a bit, you'll get better out of Shepard and of if we of in... like of the state of the state of the in in the state of the and, some, and, and I know there's not a, like people will be like, well, who? I don't know. I, like, I don't scout the higher divisions that much, to be honest. But someone of that ilk needs to come in that's played the game at a decent level, maybe come into the end of their career and just come in and, and settle that defence right there. If, you know, whether it be somebody that comes in as a player coach or whatever, I don't care. Somebody that could just come in and in the middle of that defence, Tell Arnsteel where he needs to be, or Sam Denham where he needs to be. You know, if we bring in somebody like that, could we play a Lucas Williamson at left back and somebody that's going to talk him through the game? Because that's we desperately need that at the back composure. You know, how many times have we seen in previous week, particularly Doug and um, war when the ball comes up and both our centre halves are square on? Even when I played amateur the ball comes back, one defender goes behind the other, one goes for the ball, the other one's there behind to sweep if the ball, for whatever reason, goes back or can knock it back to the keeper or just fucking hoof it out the park. Nine times out of ten, two defenders are square on, say Steele misses a header, boom, you're right on the back foot. And it, Is
1: that a communication issue then? They're just not talking to each other?
4: It's just an experience, Michael. I mean, Steele probably less so because he's played a couple of seasons now. But i mean there's there's just not a leader there's no leadership on that park Fleming is the only one you hear i say it week in week out and, and that's not a you know a, i only go home games or whatever i'm going home and away and away games in particular with these sort of tight knit grounds when you could hear everything you hear nothing not like nothing and you we need someone of that out like the January transfer window rolls, rolls around and we bring in two or three 19-year-olds, we're as well as fucking chucking it for the season, honestly, because we bring, we bring in those, the, the, the pe- same people that are comfortable that are always comfortable. I would rather that we brought in two experienced players than four inexperienced players. I, we, can't be, we, can't, we can't gamble.
1: No, I mean, the, the thing is, Andrew, like going way back to August, like when I was over and I spoke to Crawford and he talked then about oh yeah we need to get that experienced defender in and obviously once the window closes it's tough to do that because you're looking at free agents or or something but it's got to be the priority and you're hoping that those moves are ready to go right at the start of the window because far too often not just with us but just clubs in general they wait till towards the end of the window so then you've lost another month and you're looking at the table right now, and I mean, eh, we're being a bit doom and gloom, but we are three points off third. That said, we're just five points off bottom. So that's how tight everything is just now. That I think we need to make these moves right at the start of the window, or we could be in serious trouble by the end of the window.
3: Yep, I disagree with you. Uh, I agree with you, <laughs> So I think the, the one thing that we probably shouldn't lose sight of, though, is... I think it goes without saying that Greg McDonald's going to be fully aware of the issues and the places mm. and positions that need strengthened. Um, there's no doubt in that and I dare say he's working his backside off and using all his contacts in the game that he can to try and get a players from somewhere but the the issue that's prevalent across Scottish football this season that we've heard from all clubs is where do you get the players? Who's okay. available? Um, Lee's saying he doesn't want an experienced, which I can kind of understand as well so that kind of rules out any more SPL so under 20 come youth players. Which are um, the ones that's so, going
1: to be available. That's the ones that they all, they're all they always punting.
3: We, we, Quite simply, I would imagine, will not and cannot pay fees to go and buy players. And if you could, let's be honest, who's going to want to come to East 5 League 2? So where do we get these players? I mean, if, if you start shopping in the junior window or the, Lowland League and things like that. Again, huge, huge gamble. So we want experienced pros. I, I, I totally agree with what Lee said about somebody who's maybe on the fringes or something, maybe a, a Morton or, or something like that. And I can't obviously give you names at this moment in time, but I think that's the biggest worry. Um, the club will know, McDonald will know, we all know. It's, it's quite plain as day where we need to strengthen, what we need to bring in. My worry is where. We've tried the creative approach of Darren Young certainly did by going down south and that didn't work. Um, You've got the likes of Peter Head who are bringing guys in from all over the world by the looks of it and that's not working. So there is no easy answer and and that's why January is huge but we'll have to bear in mind that it's going to be very, very difficult and I don't envy (laughs) Greg trying to get these experienced pros from somewhere especially when when you look up the food chain you're probably ideally wanting somebody maybe fringes of a championship or top end league one. But these clubs have all got incredibly tight squads at the moment as well. So what's going to be the benefit to them to let an experienced guy walk out the door? Yeah, we might pick up his wage or part of his wage. But I just, that's my big worry. It's where do we get them from that's not risky and, and how do you manage that? I don't have that answer, but then I'm not going to go But yeah, good luck done them is what I would say. But that, that is genuinely my worry. I think yeah. I say, everybody knows what we need and, and it's just, hopefully that can be addressed. I don't know how.
1: I also have the the concern, and we touched on this before, and we talked about it in the in the summer as well. the The cost of players travelling to training, travelling to games, they might be like, "Oh, do you know, I, ca- I can't be arsed with an hour's drive." I know my petrol is maybe going to get paid for and get some expenses or whatever, but it's not worth my time doing that to play middle of the the league League Two football. So you're, you're maybe then narrowing it as well to guys that's closer to Edinburgh or closer to Fife or Tayside. So again, it's an even smaller pool then that you're looking at. But like as Andrew said, you're wanting a guy that's maybe on the fringe of a team. But if he's close to being on the fringe and his experience, clubs aren't going to want to let them go. It's only if a player's really unhappy or... I mean, maybe there's a guy that lives out east, but he's playing for a team out west, and he's like, I don't want to do this travelling. I want to be closer to home for family reasons or whatever. And I don't know how many of those that there are about. I mean, we might need to look into juniors. We might need to look into Lowland League, something like that. But again, I don't know who's available. A lot of those clubs are paying probably more money than we're going to pay as well. And it is tough. Other clubs are going to have this issue as well, but I, other clubs seem to get players. Other clubs seem to be able to get deals done.
3: I think, Mike, ja- January is very, very difficult because players will generally have a contract that will mm. expire at the end of the season. So, for that reason, that that's why January is so, so difficult for a manager at this level because we don't, as I say, we don't have fees, we, or we can't or won't pay fees for players. So, and for all the reasons we've discussed, it's just really, really difficult. I mean, the, the summer's a lot different because contracts have expired. You've got free agents. Players are willing to, to talk to clubs. Right now, if, if you're under a contract, it's, it's just so hard. I
1: mean, I, I mentioned the Jude Smith money. Do you think that would maybe come into it as well, that clubs will think that we've got more money than we do? So if we are speaking to a player, they're going to want a fee for that player because they think we've got money to pay that fee.
3: Possibly, but I mean, I, mean I, I don't think there's anything even fabricated, ridiculous out there that we've paid. You know, we've got two hundred
0: grand or anything like that for them. So I, I wouldn't have thought that would be a, a huge issue. No, I also don't think I, I've said it millions of times on this. I I don't think clubs generally pay money for players at this level. Mm. Like very, very, very rarely will someone pay money for a player. So I don't think I don't think that's as much of an issue. I mean. I think the big issue is what Andrew said there is about the fact that everyone's got small squads, so you're, it's going to be hard to make that decision just to let a guy go for nothing because he wants Cause, to play football because they, they have to a,
1: replace that body as well in their squad.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think for teams that have actually fought hard in the summer to get a 18-man squad or whatever it is, you know, in, in the in the climate it is, then they're, they're not going to just let people go for, especially experienced players. I think I mean the only thing in the situation sure, and now if we do that back three, that's where Murdoch's got to step up if you know, even if he plays in between the two of them and talks them through it a bit more because he's been there and done it for, you know, at a decent level for a long time. Whether he's that kind of guy, I don't know. But I think it does go back to what we're saying. There there are there are experienced players in the team. They're just not doing it. And that doesn't help matters at all because then everyone just gets frustrated because, you know, I mean, Troughton was getting quite a bit of abuse yesterday and which is never helpful. But but again, he, he's just not got the legs to play in the way he's trying to play. Like that coming deep, he's not quick enough. He's not skillful enough to do that, really. And I think, I mean, literally yesterday, apart from, apart from Baldy, really, who didn't necessarily have a great
3: game. It's just nothing happened. I mean, there was nothing at all. Do you think, though, that what's it's arguably a, a positive, but it can also be a concern as well, is that we, we shouldn't get too down because we know there's performances in this group of players. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the football that has been played, and we talked about the last point of the game, it was unbelievable. Now, I think, and I could be wrong in saying this, but the majority of the players that started the game yesterday started the last game. Um, and that is again, with an experience and, I guess, youth to an extent, you get inconsistent performances and they probably are more susceptible to confidence. So, I, I think you can take the comfort from the fact you know the abilities there, but as I say, the concern in that is, why is it not happening? <laughs> um, and it comes back to probably, again, leadership, and I mean that not necessarily from Greg McDonald. I mean leadership on the sidelines, but leadership on the pitch as well, which is, as Leah said, is why Fleming's so important. But, um, Certainly I take that as a positive that the performances are weird,
0: but I think there needs to be questions asked as to why it's not happening now. But the thing is we've 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 got a spine of experienced players. Our goalkeeper is very experienced, we've got a defender, whether it's the two fullbacks in Mercer and Murdoch or Murdoch in a three or whatever, who are experienced. Kieran Miller's very experienced. Uh, shepherd Shepard's been around the block for a decent bit of time now as well. Troughton, there's there is I think we've got it in our heads that we're a very young team. We're not, it's not like over the top, you know, it's not like we're a an under-20s team here. We've got, you know, plenty. I mean, I wonder if we're even the youngest squad in the league. I don't know, possibly, but it's not, I don't think it's like a bunch of kids, really. It's a lot more than that. They're just a bit shy.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very good point, actually, because I think we all get a bit carried away that we're a young team but we have got those experienced and older heads in there that's probably going to take that average age up. I genuinely don't think it takes too much to turn this team around in the league either. But at the same time, it's such a tight league. It's an exciting league. Like if you're looking in as a neutral, so many folk have always talked about, oh, the championship's great and league one's great. This is a great league this year. Maybe not quality wise of what we're seeing on the pitch, but eight points between eight teams.
0: I think the worry for me is forford got rid of the manager and I've had a new manager bounce for sure. Mm-hmm. Stennis Muir are going to appoint a manager shortly, which might give them, they've got a decent squad, so that probably will give them that new manager bounce. We've just not really had that, possibly because we had it while he was there as interim manager, but not appointed. So it's hard to kind of look at you know, just look at the game since he's been actually appointed. But we've not really had that, which is a slight worry. I I, I mean, I'm still very confident that we'll be fine. I, I I, think there's enough teams around us. It's going to be quite tight, but it doesn't take much to, you know, be suddenly looking at third, you know.
1: Yeah. String a couple of results, get the confidence going. We clearly need someone that can put the ball in the net. Hopefully, if Schiavone comes back and is flying again, him and Shepherd as Lee was saying, can link up well. And it it's just we've got to just keep in and around the the playoff spots until we get that or we get a couple of new faces in. So I don't think it's as doom and gloom as maybe we've made it out to be, but certainly a lot of the online comments have made it out to be. And it's easy to get like that because when you're on a bad run of results and you're not picking up many points and the weather's shit and you're not watching great football it's easy to get down. But if you look but at the table, we're not going to... This... Yeah.
3: It's, it's nervy
0: now because you've got that trapdoor. Yeah. It's not It's not a case of last season just going, oh, this is crap, you know, we're going to get relegated. That was kind of fine because you're like, right, it's happening. This is, I mean, I've used the word oblivion before, which is maybe over the top, but it, it is very close to being you're completely screwed as a club. And that's, yeah. what's, that's what makes it go from, you know... Oh, it was, it was a disappointing performance to like, oh, it was a worrying performance because you, you're, you're starting to think of that end situation of... Well, yeah, you just have be. to look
1: at the clubs. Like, breaking aside, who were fortunate enough to go into the Highland League, maybe we should look at that if we go down, but it's like the... I wouldn't mind those trips, that'd be fun. The, the Lowland League, if you go into that, it, it's like for years in England when teams fill out the Football League, and went into the conference as it it was now, the National League, they've struggled, and a lot of teams had consecutive relegations. And you look at a club like Oldham that went out of the league last Mm. year, and you think, wow, they're such a big club to go out of league football. They're facing going out of the the conference as well, because they're struggling. So it is, when you go down to that level, tough to turn it around. And that should be in the back of the mind of everyone at the club, especially at board level. And I want to talk about some of the decisions at board level in a sec, but let's just finish the game from yesterday. Let's get your three, two, ones. Who wants to kick that off? Well, um, look at Lee's face. I don't know whether that Lee wants to.
0: I'll go. Um, I gave one point. Pint. Oh, <laughs> hey, maybe that's you? what we should
1: do to motivate them a bit uh, more. Let's
0: get them yeah, I gave one point to Baldy again. He just brings in energy. His first touch is class. Uh, he just didn't have the end product yesterday. And he was a bit frustrated at times, but I gave him a point. I gave two iron steel just because I thought he was solid. And he, especially because he was sort of playing in the left half of the three, which wouldn't suit a right footer, but I thought he dealt with it generally quite well. And I gave three points to Fleming and it was for that one save. And actually, when I watched it back, it wasn't even that good a save. Mm. Um, but... It was a clean sheet and he made the save because I think if we'd lost the first goal, we'd have lost, definitely. So I think that was that
1: was the key moment of the game. So yeah. I can't remember. Well, they did a 10 when he made that save as well. No. No. It was, that was, before it was that a lot one.
0: earlier than I thought, actually, yeah.
1: <laughs> the enthusiasm from the two of you to go next.
4: Three points Fleming. Um two points Baldi and a point per Schiavone because he came back. Um, Fleming made a, a couple of good saves yesterday um, uh, two very good saves Baldy again best outfield player for us by a mile um, just he pick up the ball and he was at least trying to make something happen yesterday and Shivoni just when he came on yesterday I, I actually thought that he might make something happen there's a few times he got the ball on the left-hand side um, and he, he tried to make things happen so Um, yeah that's been
1: War
3: Um, I went three for Baldy I thought he was the only one who really kind of gave us what looked like he was really giving us a bit of drive and for the reason the guys have sort of stated I thought he grew into the game as it went on towards the second half his confidence seemed to kind of grow into the game and he was trying a few things which we're coming off and I always like to see that a good positive approach. Um, my two went to Fleming for the same reason as Doug pretty much because I was sitting next to Doug so it did look like an unbelievable save from where we were sitting. Um, so again, purely for that save because I don't really think I had much else to do and then it was pretty tricky for one I thought and I, I just plumped for steel. Um, just thought which was probably arguably the, the best, of, best of the best.
0: Just very quickly on the, the Healy situation I can see it from Greg's point of view sometimes though that Healy is the sort of guy, if you've got a slightly tired defence and you can bring him on with twenty minutes to go, mm-hmm. he just Yeah. He just didn't he didn't get enough ball in that twenty minutes. And then when he did I actually thought their full back played him pretty well. But I don't I don't mind that. Like when, when the team was announced at the start, I wasn't that bothered about Healy not starting because of that. You're thinking if you can get him on against a tiring defence, that's when he can excel. But it just didn't work out yesterday. But I don't think that's I don't think that's like him dropped for, for anything. I think that's just... I,
4: I'm i going to preface that, though. I, I do think he was dropped yesterday, but for a tactical reason, because yeah. there's been a few times that he's exposed us by not tracking back when he's been playing on the wing um, and left that gap. And I reckon that he just went, I'll get more out of Liam Newton defensively than I would out of probably Jack Healy going forward. That's just my opinion. Um, but I think that, that Healy yesterday I didn't think he looked like he fancied it. Um a couple of times he got the ball, like you say, he was pretty, pretty easily marshalled um by the by the defence. But I, I just wanted to go to, want to talk a, a a little bit um about some of the points that are being raised on the, the Twitter feed that's doing my tits in. Um can we stop saying that Graham McDonald's inexperienced? He's not, he's over 120 games as a manager at this level. It was, yes, it was eight years ago, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't know anything about football because he hasn't been a manager for eight years. So, can we stop saying that? The other thing is, 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 you know, people are saying we should have went for Naismith and, oh, you know, like, sack him already and stuff and just fucking mental things. And it's not because, like, people seem to think that me and Greg are best pals and we talk every day and that it's some, because it's some sort of pals. Act, I'm defending them. The performances haven't been good enough. But ultimately, I said that when Crawford got the job last year, if you bring a new manager in, give them time to build their own team and then well, exactly you Exactly,
1: like, yeah, he's inherited yeah. this team. Yeah.
4: Um, granted, you know, was he maybe part of the recruitment process? Yes, but he ultimately wasn't responsible for the signing of any of these players. That was Stevie Crawford. He signed those players. So, can we cut him a little bit of slack, at least? Because I kind of feel like, you know, people are, you know, we're always kind of either on the Greg bus or the one. And that's fine, you know, that's football. But you know, I, I, I could if if people put together an articulate reason of why they don't think that Greg's the right manager for the job, I'll listen. But just saying he's shy and he's no experienced, and and we should have brought Gary Naismith in. How many vacancies have come up that since Gary Naismith's been out of a job and how many jobs has he got? None. Do you think there might be a reason for that? Think about that as well. Right. So, Greg, yes, he might be getting a slightly easier time because of the fact that he's you know, a club legend. That might be very well be the case. But equally, give him the respect that he should deserve for being a club legend. Give him the chance to build his own squad and then judge him on that. I don't know if announced how long a contract he got, if it was to the end of the season or if it was a year and a half or two years. I've never seen that written down. But look, if, if the board want to make a decision at the end of the season, though, actually we're not liking the style of football that he's trying to implement, or we don't like any of the sign-ins that they've made, then let them make that decision or make or make that decision at the end of the season. But ultimately, you know, he, he needs time. He needs time to to build his own team and bring in the players he wants to bring in because his style of football maybe very well be different to Goffert's. Maybe he didn't want to buy into this whole, we'll just put, uh, take 19-year-olds and and play them all season. Or maybe those that were isn't his ideology, but I just think that you know, we've had a few bad results. You know, I get it and
0: it's shit and the football isn't great, but it's not his team. I think it, we also, for me, the fact that, the fact that he is getting a bit of slack from the crowd is massive because I think if, if maybe he gets toxic with this team and they're struggling with confidence and it, it, it's, it's a worry. Yeah. A definite worry because that's not going to help anything. And at the, the bottom line, I mean, look, I think I said on the pod, he wasn't my first choice at all, but I wasn't unhappy when he got the job at all. And to even contemplate the thought of someone getting sacked after five games is comical, absolutely comical. But these people don't have a clue what football's all about. I mean, that's, you know, they, they, they maybe just think of the Frank DeBoer at Palace who got sacked after four games or whatever, but we don't have the finances to just hire and fire managers and Hope that they win a couple of games here there, but now I think, yeah, he he's got to have at least to the end of the season and in the next. It's the same yeah, every month. Like
1: you can't but, judge him on the January window either because of what we've just said. He can't build a squad in January. He has to have the summer to build his team. And I know there's going to be folk that don't want to give him till then. And yeah, maybe the board will look at the end of this year and go, look. The kind of football you're playing, the style of football is not what we're wanting. But you can only piss with the cock you've got.
4: That's it. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. It's a lot. It's a little bit mad to me. Look, if he goes on to lose in the next four, five, six games, then we could be like, right, okay. Yeah, you're clearly you know, like, not getting maybe, anything maybe out the of next your score. Two or three games, then you could start to say alarm bells are ringing. But you know we've got a lot of tough fixtures coming up. The Mm -hmm. the, the next six games are really tough. Off the top of my head, Stranraer in no particular order, but Stranraer at home, then Dumbarton away, then Elgin away, and then I think we've got Stenhouse-Muir at home. I can't remember who else we've got after that. I I think that's maybe even the right order, but you know, the, these are some some pretty tough games coming up at, away from home. I fancy us because we seem to like playing away, but the, the home games. I are think
0: that's tough. a big problem. We I think the fact that we've we've hit this little run of three games at home. Uh Whoever it was, who was it last week? Uh,
1: uh,
0: Annan. So you've got Annan at home. You've got Bonnie Rigg at home. You've got Stranraer at home. Now three weeks ago we'd have been going, right, this is a chance to get our home form sorted out and pick up maybe seven points out of nine. Do you know what I mean? But then when you've suddenly then hit that sticky patch, you've then got an Allen team who were coming into a wee bit of form, Bang banging form, it suddenly becomes a little more difficult. So that does, our home form is a big worry. And it almost, if those three games were away from home, we'd have taken more points.
1: The, yeah. the worry for me, though, is the next three games are against top four teams. Yeah. So that's kind of like a make-or-break point of the season, almost. That if you start taking some points off them, great. You you lose points to particularly Strenra and Elgin, because I don't think we're going to catch Dumbarton. But like lose to Elgin and Strenra, and all of a sudden, me saying, oh, we're, we're, we're close to getting into the playoffs. We're just a point out of fourth three points out a third, then you're further away and then it does get more concerning. And then the pressure does get raised on Greg. And he's going to know that. Like, he's big and old enough to know that if he goes on a bad run of results, he's going to be getting it in the, the neck from the crowd. And they can get toxic at Bayview at times. I've been guilty for doing that to managers in the past and I'm sure we all have probably at some point as well. I want to talk about one of the big talking points around just today's game, though which was the fact that it was brought forward from January 2nd, which I just find an absolutely ridiculous decision for a a number of reasons. Historically, the money that's made at the club on the Boxing Day and the New Year's Day fixtures has always been big. Hospitality is usually very busy. The crowds are bigger. And... (sighs) I, I just don't understand why you would kind of shun that. Now, maybe the club are thinking folk don't have the money. Folk aren't going to come out in the numbers that, that they've gone to. I know they maybe wanted to give the, the players an extended break. But, Doug, it makes no sense to me at all. Uh, and the crowd just today as well. 399 because yeah. it's clashing with a World Cup quarterfinal.
0: Yeah, look, I don't want to be too harsh on them, but I I can't see any single reason why they brought it forward. It's not like we've got... It's not a hectic Christmas schedule at our level. It's not. It's just every Saturday. You know, so it's not like... You know, you're not playing on Christmas Day or even Boxing Day, you're not playing... It's not
1: like England where you've got, like, three games in four or five days.
0: I just... Like, I mean, look, I, I know I've got some mates who are not really football fans and they go every January the 2nd game, home or away and there's like 20 of them go they used to do hospitality but I think laterally they've just gone to pubs and they got in the game I mean, so th- there'll be plenty of little groups like that, that do that sort of stuff I-, I just, I don't get it and actually, even though I've moaned a lot about the £18 a game I don't get reducing the price Well, that's the other cheap. thing as well It's like more.
1: Yeah, you bring it forward, so you're losing all that extra income that you could have got, and you lower the price.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, I, I don't get it. It'd be nice to hear a wee explanation. There must be a a reason because every reason that's taken should be financial. It has to be, and that's that's a that's surely not a good financial decision. But I don't know. It'd be nice to hear an explanation
3: of it because I don't get it.
1: I mean Andrew, what what were your thoughts on it?
3: <clears throat> I uh, totally agree <laughs> to, to put it bluntly or shortly um, I think I, I like Doug it would, it would be good just to know uh, and that's not being critical it's just to, to understand the thought process what went on in the meeting when whoever took or however that decision was reached where some thought rather than getting maybe 700-800 of a crowd in let's bring the game forward to the same day as a quarter finals of the World Cup um, it's two weeks before Christmas so people have got plenty on whether it's work events their skin whatever it may be um, I, I just can't think of one single reason as to why you would opt to do that in all honesty and it, it would just be appreciated to know um, the one thing I would say is I think the the intention round about yesterday in terms of reducing the, the gate entry fee was good and I think the the gesture for the under 16s was positive and very welcome. Um but again, I just think it, the game should quite simply be on the second of January. As Doug says, there's, there's no hectic schedule. Um the income that's lost as a result of moving that just it just seems like utter madness you know, and all honesty. And I just can't get my head around that all. Honestly can well, Obviously Bonnie Reg would have had a say in this as well. So there's yeah.
0: maybe Something there, I don't know, but it's at the bottom line it's our home game, so it should be
3: basically a recall. You've got to bear in mind as well that Bonivic are probably going to be bigger or potentially would have brought a bigger crowd than anyone else to Bayview this season. Um, and again, that's probably been impacted by the numbers that travelled yesterday because they were certainly looked like they were significantly down on the second game of the season when they came through. Um, and again, you know, less travel and support than, than
1: the probably would be, but, um, yeah, Cause, that's the point. Cause am I right in saying that our first meeting, that was their first away game?
3: Correct.
1: Yeah, yeah, so a lot of guys would want to go and do that, and also it's the summer as well, and it's not bitter, freezing cold conditions. What I don't understand is if they're going to bring it forward, maybe bring it forward to a one o'clock kickoff then it's like, oh, look, we have the bar. We can show this World Cup quarterfinal and make some money in the bar after it. And I, I know it maybe wasn't the most exciting lineups of the four quarterfinals, but when this decision was made, you didn't know that. And you're probably thinking it was going to be Portugal-Belgium, if you're being honest. Which would have... If folk are thinking, oh, do I want to go at East Fife on a cold day or what's Portugal-Belgium? I think a number of folks gonna stay at home. And like Doug, you're a hardcore fan and you were deliberating whether to go. Gordon yeah. didn't go to the game yesterday. And I think I think it's just
0: look, there's loads of yeah, absolutely. Look, hindsight's a wonderful thing. That's that is a great idea. I mean, the one o'clock kickoff would have been very good for a home fan, certainly. I think even like the no cash gate things are strange
1: mm.
0: move. I don't get that at all in the fact that I mean, I was saying that to you yesterday, Andrew, you've got to remember that it's quite an aging support, you know, in, in most clubs, to be fair. You know, and you've got 70-year-old guys coming down and having to get barcodes and all that shit. They, you know, just, just. I mean, if there's a trust thing, then th- that says more about, you know, humans than anything else. But have at least a guy, especially for away fans. I mean, when we, when we were walking down, we had uh, away fans come up to me and was like, oh, where'd you buy tickets like to have to go into the club to pay money to come out of the club to go to the turnstile to get it scanned to go in that just doesn't make sense to me i just
3: don't get that i think i think just in general in society people are kind of moving more back to cash as well um and i guess if you're not going to take Cash, you should. I would have thought at least have the option to pay by card at the turnstile, kind of thing. Um, but I agree, I think you need to have a cash gate. Um, and I just again, I think it's it's just weird that we don't. Um,
1: I, I've got a, a genuine question that I just thought of just now. So, say, say a kid, 14, 15 year old, him and his mates are like, What do you want to do today? Oh, his wife's at home, let's go and see them. They might not have bank cards and stuff. How do What happens then? How do they get into the game if they've just got pocket money?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yesterday they would have gotten for free.
1: Yeah, but just in general.
0: No, uh, absolutely. Uh, Of course, uh, I mean it's. But how? How how do they get in?
1: Just there's
4: like a window behind the club shop where you could buy cash tickets, but I think trying not to tell people to do that because it puts a lot of pressure on the office staff who have then got to take the money and then go on and, and fill in and buy a ticket for them. I get why we're doing it. But even if I had one cash gate, just have one, even for both fans, one cash gate. And if you know if a steward has to walk them over to the way end, then so be it.
0: I think my problem with it, Lee, like a couple of times when I've gone in to pay my money to get my ticket. I mean, it's a decent sized queue, and you're like, I mean, I'm I'm having to get to the ground at like twenty past two so I can make sure, you know, even stuff like that. And then you you get your ticket there, and then you've got a queue up at the. It, it just seems a faff for me, mm. and I think, yeah, it's it's little things like that that, that make people go, oh, I'll not bother. And I know that sounds
3: nothing like that, but do you know what I mean? It's not. Um, no, you're right, Doug. I mean, at the end of the day, you need to be make yourself as easy as possible to do business with um, and be as welcoming as possible. And if that's a barrier to some people to actually say, you know what, I just can't be bothered with standing in that office and far from this, that and the other, then it should be looked at, to be honest with you. And I think um, it's just kind of common sense. I think I'm right in the same pretty much, but every ground I've been to this season, you've been able to pay by cash and there's not been any big issue with that. Um, and I'm not aware of anybody else in League 2, League You've been more awake games than me. But I'm not aware of anybody else in League 2, certainly. Or even League 1 that, that doesn't offer a cash game. But I
1: could be wrong with that. Let us know your thoughts anyway. Glory to the Gold on Twitter, glory to the gold at gmail.com. Just a couple more things for, for the show this week. Let's move on to some happier topics. And something which... Was started by Scott Young's interview, and Doug spoke to him in his garden last week and got all the ins and outs. And then of this. I got shit
4: from Scott because we got his team wrong. Oh, <laughs> so did you? we? We owe an, an apology to to Scott Young. It's not something I like doing because let's be honest, the guy's a knob, right? But you know, we have to we have to call it and say it um, out loud. Um, that he's, I said they had Stephen Tweed in his team, and he didn't. But by the by, Scott, your team is still shy.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about East Five Five aside. What five East Five players would you have in a Five Aside team? Do you, do you want me to play the song I shared, Lee, in this part of the show? Um, absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I
4: do not think that, that is uh, an agreement. I, I, d- um, I had
0: a little listen to it, and I agree with Lee, and I would say absolutely not. I mean, two own. other songs there's, about Five Asides. There's
4: if, it, if there's a nice Five Aside song by Half Man Half Biscuit or something, we could take that, but. Um, you brought a, f- a pedal to five asides Does definitely not sound like a uh, great um, I, I, w- I would like to say we're a family podcast If the family um, enjoys swearing um, I would certainly not say that you brought a f- pedal to five asides as um, a great choice But our sack is extremely full of people yes. who are happy to it's send us It's very,
1: been very good but, It's been nice to, to see this yeah. reaction to it So do we want to give ours before we, we get into our sack? You're ready? I'm ready as well Oh, awesome. Okay, let, let's let's start with Lee then. So I've deliberated over this a lot. Like, genuinely,
4: I think I've changed my team like five times today.
1: I'm just going to make mine up on the spot, okay.
4: <laughs> so I've gone for Mark Rogers and goal. I just thought that he was really good when he was at us, and he was a big lad, so he would definitely be good in five asides. Stevie Tweed has to, to be your centre-half, doesn't he? Absolute no-nonsense, and it doesn't matter who you put up against him, he's going to nail them Doug's not a fan, but he was a great player. I've taken Bobby Lynn because he's just quality, quick, tricky, another one that Doug, I'm sure, hasn't picked. Um, And this is the one that I've changed about three or four times because I had Stephen Hughes in it, and then I took him out. Then I had Darren Smith in it, and then I took him out. And I've decided to go for a front two. So I've got Tweed to just be your absolute marshal, Bobby Lynn for the flair, and then I've gone Paul McManus and
0: Kenny Duker up front. I mean, I have to go next because that's nonsense.
1: <laughs> okay, on I'll, you go.
0: I'll tell you why that's nonsense, Lee. It's five aside. You've got Kenny Duker up front. I love Kenny Duker. I mean, that's the worst five aside. You've got to have small numbers. You can't kick the ball up in the air <laughs> in five aside. You can't head the ball. Yeah, Kenny Duker will score you the goals, though. He, he knows by the back can't. of the poke. How many did he score with his feet? He's he's not he's not quick and his his main thing was he was very good in the air so that's a terrible shout.
1: And he'd miss games as well from being a doctor.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: So hang your head and she change.
0: Smash out. Right, I'll 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 go next then. So okay. You can uh, I've gone Scott Fox in goals. Shame, he's a I midget. Did, I bet the goals are tiny, you fool. Uh, I've gone for I'll just say Julen at the back. Ex the and I left because he was class and he's a footballer and he's not big because you don't need to be big at five aside. Uh, I've gone for Bobby Lynn,
4: controversial.
0: Uh-huh. Bobby Lynn and I've gone Scott Agnew as well because I think in terms of you know a very good footballer and up front I changed forty times and I've plumped for Stevie Archibald, mm-hmm. just you know better class, you know. Obviously, going to be a good finisher, and that would be but you can't even five pick
4: him, he's not going to get a plane over from Barcelona every week.
0: And that would beat your five aside team Lee by about 45 <laughs> <laughs>
1: 0. I share a couple of the ones so far. Let's go to Andrew Nixter. All
3: right, so here's the winning team. Um, in goals, I went for Mr. Gordon Marshall, me too. Um, my enforcer, Willie Rune. Oh, oh. in, it's pure flair here on in um, then I have gone Bobby Lynn <laughs> Stevie Archibald and I've got Gordon Jury up there to bang some goals in as well
1: oh now me and War are very <laughs> Willie c- Willie
0: as the sort of centre half is a he's, great shot he, people are going to die
1: guy, he's, well
3: he's yeah, but, be the and,
1: uh, yeah but then you'll be in a four-a-side team uh, True. That, that's your problem <laughs> Yeah. So I, I'm I'm very similar I've got Gordon Marshall in goal as well Because he was good with the ball at his feet And I think sometimes you want your sweeper keeper to do that My enforcer was Stuart Burgess Because I thought he, he'd be a, a good Hard body to get by Then I had Bobby Lynn as well I had Archibald in the middle With kind of Lynn just as outside And then I went between Jury and McManus And I went with McManus But Jury was close I think For me getting in as well Shagger's here.
0: Still, my uh, still my my most horrendous moment as an East Five fan What's was, that? When, uh, was when was um, when Caroline said over the microphone when Paul McManus was in attendance watching the game. She said, "Shagger's here," and I was just like,
1: "Oh, you can't say that. You can't say that." It was brilliant. Very funny. Maybe uh, she was just inviting people to come and see her. <laughs> Shagger's
4: <don't-> here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Former assistant
4: manager Tony McMinn submitted me his from his time watching the club, so I'll give him his shout.
1: Okay. He went
4: for Brett Long, Higgy, um, Davo, Aggie, and Jack Hamilton, which is a pretty decent side, I'd imagine. Do you know do you know True. who I took out of my team? And now that Doug slagged me for my Juker my shout that I, I would maybe swap would have been Chris Templeman because you didn't get the ball off him.
0: True. Another That's big bad, lad. But, yeah, but he, he wasn't a No, He was with his no. feet.
4: Right. He was incredible. Like, 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 you wouldn't get a, a, a ball off him at five sides.
0: He, he's potentially one of the biggest wastes of talent that we've had, as in we wasted him.
4: Yeah, well, Dave Bakey stuck him centre-back on centre-mid one
0: game. I, I actually can't talk about this anymore. <laughs> still upsets you. Me too. It, it genuinely does upset me. Because he I'm was... Pro- so class on the ball. I remember I probably, when we played Aberdeen away and we got beat like forty-two nil. Uh, all their fans coming out were like, "Who was your number nine He was unbelievable. Like he was so good that day. But yeah, yeah. we played him in centre half.
4: I've probably told this story before, but he he drinks in my local. He's from um, office and I used to see him all the time, and he'd be steaming constantly, he'd be like, "I'm gonna score twenty goals next season." I was like, "You're ass. You're never scoring twenty goals this next season." He's like, "I'll buy you a bottle of vodka for dinner." And I'm still waiting, still waiting for it. And I see him all the time. And every time I see him, he goes, ah, did you ever get that bottle of vodka? I left it behind the bar for you.
1: Anyway, so I want to read this one. Uh, Ollie Anderson sent it in on Twitter. He said he didn't want to post it publicly. So he sent it to us to read out publicly. So I'm not quite sure. But where his thought process was with that. But Prince Andrew and Goals, Jimmy Savile left one. See, and then I dig the song back out. <laughs> <laughs> um so he, he goes into he it's only going for guys that he's seen play for the Fife or current guys at the club. So he's gone with Fleming and Goal, Toro as a defender, because everyone's raved about him being a good defender, Kieran Miller. For the no nonsense battering ram, then Baldy as the player with flair, and Fash up top. Do you know
0: what? I actually, I mean Baldy would be awesome at five sides. Yeah. Like I, I, I just thought, I, having watched these fight for thirty odd years, I can't put a guy who's been there for twelve minutes in my team. But I, I did. It crossed my mind. It did cross my mind.
1: That's so well, not it, a bad choice. It's a tough thing though, because we've got so many players over the years. to to pick from and it's like oh do you want to go way back to the teams in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s because obviously they had flair players there but they probably didn't have five a side back then I don't know when five a side kind of start to be a thing actually
0: I also have played sevens against Fash a few times and I mean obviously I'm shite but I can confirm it's very hard to get the ball off them so it's not a bad it's not a
1: bad idea When Davy Kirkwood was with East Fife in the the 80s he was maybe it was in, no, it would be the eighties. He was also at Fife Tech as well and played five aside at the Tech, which he probably shouldn't have been doing, I guess, if he was playing for East Fife at the time and wow, different class. You couldn't get the ball off him. So Lee, do you have some other ones from the sack or do you want me to get them up?
4: Uh I love it when you get it up, Michael, but I'll I'll go through them. So there's awesome. a few. Um obviously former um East Fife male journalist Scott Ingalls, he went for Mark Bridgers, Gary Naismith, Johnny Smart, Scott Agnew, and Nathan Austin. Um, also, um, my good friend and owner of Har Barber and Leslie, for all your barbering needs, just said Lee Gillis. And I just said, and w- in all five positions, and he said yes. So that's
0: definitely the worst shout. Of the, the, the I mean, that's, I would not trust that guy to cut anyone's hair then, if that's his opinion. So <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm going to say, don't go to that Barbers, go somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, a bit bold, it's fine. To be, to be <laughs>
1: fair though, stick Lee in goal and it's like you're not going to get many balls past that. There's very little room visible off the goal with him in front of I was a
4: quality keeper, mate, even, even before the wait. um, A few other shouts, um, Stephen Mill, Ernie McGard, Davy Clark, Peter McQuaid, Billy McPhee and Andy Waddle. just because they love Lee's wife, fair enough. The only good cunt in his family. Donald Perry and um, went for Gordon Marshall, Dave Beaton, Ali Mitchell, Kenny Duker, and Arnold Warica. So get on to your brother for his choices as well.
0: Uh, to be fair, Beaton's a good shout because he had a hell of a left foot. He could have mm. just ping them in from distance. That's oh, yeah. not a bad shout. Yeah. Very rarely does my brother say anything that makes any sense with football. So yeah, not bad. Not bad. And um, you then have
4: got Grant Easton who went Gordon Marshall, McLaren. Kirk, um Ju- uh, McLaren, Clark, Kirk and Jury. Um Gordon Scott, uh, McCafferty, Naismith, McPhee, Jury and Marshall. Mike Gill- I nearly
1: had McCafferty in mine, because he was a right. good little buzzy about midfield guy. Although
4: I'm pretty sure that there's no goalkeeper in that team. So oh no, Marshall. Yeah, Marshall. Yeah, the end. Sorry, my apologies. Um a lot of people have gone for Gordon Marshall. Mm, I kinda wish seen I'd this. Seen him for us. Uh, Mike Gill, Gordon Marshall, Jim McLaren, Tam McCaffrey, Willie Brun and Gordon and Andy English went for Davey Gorman, um, and he's given answers for why, small but agile. Davey Clark read the game well. Robert Pritz had magic feet. Ken, uh, Steve Archibald was a genius and Gordon Dury was your quality
0: finisher.
1: Robert Pritz's uh, face was so red at the best of times, I wouldn't like to see him play five-a-side.
0: Pritz, Pritz was in my first edition of my 5 aside side team. Oh. Just mainly because of his red face And he was awesome yeah. He never left the semicircle Semicircle? Circle In the middle of the park. never left in it
1: circle? I, I got taken that to is. I don't know if I've mentioned this in the show before I got taken to hospitality once When I worked in the bank by some local solicitors And surveyors And they took us all to Ibrox And it was Rangers v Hearts And they, there was two Rangers guys That were doing the schmoozing And one of them was Robert Pritz so I was like, oh my god, I'm talking to him about East Fife, which was probably a, a bizarre experience for him.
0: I think yeah. I think the whole thing at East Fife was probably a bizarre experience
1: yeah.
0: for him. <laughs> Very true. Um, I'll just go through a
4: few more. Um Hamish Fleming said Ernie McGarr, Davy Clark, Tam Connor, Tam McCafferty, and Kevin Hegarty. Stevie Gill said Willie McCulloch, Stevie Campbell, Arnold Warika, Bobby Lynn, and Nathan Austin. And then we'll have to switch social media platforms now because we've had a few on the old Twitter as well. Um, I need to slow past some other tweets that we've had since we've been doing this. I know there's um, been a
1: long. I've got one here. Ross Hutchison. He went with yeah. Brett Long, Johnny Smart, Bobby Lynn, Giles Baldy, and Paul McManus. That's a, a good lot of team. In that team. That's a, that's a very good team. I like that. Yeah.
4: Um, Glenn Walker, Gordon Marshall, Jim McLaren, Arnold Erika, Tam McCafferty, and Stevie Archibald. Blaine and before, before Glenn
1: says anything, no, I haven't been able to track down Tam McCaffrey yet. He's somewhere in Canada, and it is our goal to try and track him down, and I haven't been able to.
4: Well, we'll go to Blair at Gunner Designs. If any of you have been seeing the amazing graphics on social media that East Fife have been putting out on up for games, that's all Blair. and His stuff's honestly fantastic. Yeah, really, I, I really can't good. speak highly enough of like the guy. I think he's brilliant. Um, you've got you know, Mitchell, Ellis, Smith, Lynn, Scott Agnew and Kevin Smith. Andrew Doig, Willie McKilloch, Ali Mitchell, Bobby Lynn, Arnold Dorica and Kenny Juker. Um, so I think that is them all I think we've managed to get around them all Yeah. Uh, in fact no I've got one more and it was Tony McMinn's partner Yvonne who's come to a lot of games she went for Brett, Miller, Davo, Aggie and Anton Douds. Anton Doubts would be good at 5 aside, I reckon
0: wouldn't it be so easy to get the ball from him big physical presence what, what we'll do is Leo collate all these here and come up with the the 5 aside side team of the most selected players wouldn't you Lee?
1: Yeah, that's a Absolutely great idea. Not. Thanks, I Lee. I don't have time to do anything like that. Of course uh, you do. <laughs> Did you not say you were going to be playing with your Xbox after this?
4: That is my time to chill out between doing two jobs, mate. So no, I definitely won't be doing that. Michael McCall is semi retired anyway. Or in fact, Doug, what are you doing? You
0: can't be coming uh, in this flying, I'm, I'm actually flying to Spain on Tuesday, so tomorrow's Well packing. you've got all day tomorrow then. Okay. Well, okay, you can fly them over to <laughs> me and then I'll collate that for you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Yeah, you
2: can
1: do that on the plane. So sure. that I think that was a good fun session. Keep them coming in. love to, to hear more and maybe give us reasons why you've picked the guys as well because it's always good to know that as well. So that's pretty much it for the show. I, I want to end with a little bit of World Cup chat. I know you guys had put out that most folk didn't want us to talk about the World Cup. I want to talk about it because I wasn't on the show last week either. And of course, we're all very sad because... England are on their way home and I can enjoy the World Cup now I've got to say I was getting genuinely concerned as all the big guns were getting knocked out that England had what looked to be a pretty easy path to the the final really and France was the tough game for them and I've got to say and it pains me to say this I thought they were the better team yesterday against France They were. and I, I love Saka it's hard not to like him He's just such a likeable kid and did, did you see the video where david beckham was uh at england training and he's Bowen. like oh sorry do you mind if i interrupt can i get a photo like so sweet what a, what a nice kid uh, did and... you watch
4: that arsenal documentary as well no um that was that was excellent honestly it was one of the best football related documentary things i've, I've ever watched he was he was brilliant in that, and like even at Christmas, he went and bought like X amount of bottles. Of, I think it was like Moe champagne, and gave them out to all the staff for Christmas.
1: Oh, like just
4: he just seems like a nice kid.
1: Yeah,
0: right. That's enough loving. Actually, do you know what I was? I've always wrestled with the embarrassment of the whole anti-England thing. Like, I, football needs rivalries. Don't get me wrong, but like, I mean, it was definitely my dad's fault. Like, instilled it in me from a very early age. Like, my mum used to get really annoyed when we watched England games on TV and going like going mental when the other teams score. So I was kind of like this year, like, I quite like Gareth Southgate. I think he comes across very well. I don't... They've not got a huge amount of players that I really dislike. So I was kind of like, nah, it's okay. But nah, it kicked in big time. When Kane missed that penalty, I was going mental. And it's like, you just... I don't know. I, I don't think it'll ever leave me but it was it was funny and and you know what with england they beat who they're meant to beat and they lose to who they're meant to lose to every single time and we always get worried they're going to win and they might do eventually but it was uh, it was really funny and it, but it panned to that picture of the wee boy crying i mean i'm i'm laughing like an evil bastard at this poor little boy who's gone over to bloody qatar and he's crying cuz his team's lost and i'm just laughing at him
1: Injective events, yeah, honestly, I, I was trying to explain to folk here, like it, because it comes from the media, and the, the, I don't think they fully appreciate just how bad it is. the The media and the the commentators that we get over here are on the international feed, so they're not as biased and they're not as bad. But if you're sitting watching the pundits back home, it's just it's so. It's so tough, but I mean, in in general war, I mean, what have, what have you thought of the World Cup so far? I mean, I was a bit worried. The group, the the last day of the group games were tremendous, and then sometimes when you get to the knockout stage, it falls off a bit because teams are too scared to play. And there's been some games like that and some teams like that. Morocco's made it to the semi-finals by basically being a defensive team, but in all, it, there's been some absolutely tremendous games this year.
3: Yeah, um, like probably a lot of people, it's probably the least enthused I've been before a World Cup. I just think the whole bizarre scenario of where it is, and more or sorry, more so than that, the actual time of year, it just seems weird in the middle of a season to have that. Um, and obviously, it doesn't has impacted football at the higher levels, being often right down these fives level, it was clearly impacting attendance and things as well. Um, but in terms of the actual tournament itself, it's been. I suppose like most of these tournaments kind of start off with, it's let's try and not lose our first game, second game, then kind of opens up a bit and, and as the tournament goes on, it kind of gets that wee bit better and better. Um, and I think it kind of always, dare I say, it emphasises a lot, quite a lot of stereotypes as well. I think sometimes you can take that view that these European teams are going to go and beat these teams from elsewhere in the world and, and they're not going to be very good. And I think it's always good to see that that's not the case. Um, and it's actually been really good to see the likes of Morocco um, coming on and getting to where they are. I like that. Um, and I think it's also been tremendous that Qatar were absolutely awful. Um, but in the main, decent tournament. Um, but if I was to sum it up, would I want a World Cup in the middle of a season again? Definitely not. Um, but it has been better than I feared that it would be. Um, and hopefully the semis are pretty good, um, pretty open, and, and hopefully a decent final as well. See if we
4: look at the at the stuff outside of like affecting the low, the higher leagues, low leagues. I've actually quite liked it being at this time of the year, and I, I know I'm in the in the minority. But like, it's it's so like dark, the weather's horrible. You know, you can't really go out and do anything. And the World Cup's actually been great because it's given you like, oh, well, you know, you've got football on every night, mm-hmm. even the weekend or on a Sunday, you know, you've got two or three games to look forward to. It's, you know, you can't go really go out and, and do things. So I've quite enjoyed it in that sense, the fact that you've, you've always got something on in, in winter. Um, whereas in the summer, there's always weddings or there's parties or barbecues or, you know, the stuff that... that don't really have to worry too much about in a winter world cup so you, you always end up missing games because there's stuff on whereas i've pretty much watched every game in this world cup um, because there's not been really much to do
1: i have enjoyed it but well, the timings have been shitty for me because there's been games at 2 a.m and 5 a.m and 7 a.m and oh it's just been awful so i've kind of recorded them and i've st- been an idiot i then go online to check emails and stuff and I see something that spoiled at least one game every day that I'd, I'd recorded. Just to go around everyone then, there's four teams left. We know who they are. Who have you got to win it? Doug. Oh, um, Argentina. I Would mean, you be pleased for Messi to, to get yeah, a Yeah, do one you know what?
0: Co- I, I kind of semi-agreed with Bruno Fernandes' thing today. I don't know if you read that. No. Where he's basically... He's basically saying, because I think no English referee would have been involved after this because if England were in the semis, and he was basically trying to say that um, they got no decision at all from an Argentinian ref because Mm. Portugal were a threat to Argentina, which is probably a bit um, conspiracy theorist of it all, but um, it it was worth thinking about. Uh, Yeah, no, I would would love it for Messi, yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I would like it just to have it over Ronaldo, and it's like, well, Messi won a World Cup because I just can't stand Ronaldo Well, Ronaldo's and... been
0: like an absolute child and the oh. whole Piers Morgan thing is killing me how much that twat is like like tweeting every day about something pro-Ronaldo. It's just embarrassing. And I think Ronaldo's ending his career dis-
1: quite disgracefully, really. Well, especially Most if he goes and takes are... that big payday in, was it Saudi Arabia? Someone's offered him the money well, and stuff. And
0: I think, I think it might be his only choice.
1: Well, Miami here are meant to be getting messy and apparently they were trying to get Ronaldo as well. So if you've got the two of them, although they also got done for breaching MLS rules by having four designated players when they're only allowed three and trying to cover it up and do weird stuff. So who knows? War, who have you got to win it?
3: Um, I would like it to be Argentina for Messi because I think just given the career that he's had and the player he's been and the person he is I, I think that would be a fitting end for the man um, not that he's dying um, but from a career point of view but I, I actually think it would be France I just think Argentina are just a bit slow at times and I think the French um, would have too much for them in a game so I'd, I would go with France I think they would win Lee
1: Lee
4: um. Head says France. I would love Morocco to do that. Mm. Um, and they've, like, I know that they've not played the sexiest football. They've played very Mourinho football. But, I mean, they've conceded, what, one goal?
1: Yeah, which was to Canada, Canada, although Just it was an they, own goal. Don't
4: get a boner, Michael. It was a massive deflection, right? I know down. Well, I don't know, because they, 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 we're, we're trying to
1: claim game. it wasn't an own goal, because the guy that put the ball in played for the Whitecaps, so we're trying to go, oh, he's he got his World Cup goal.
4: <laughs> so, I mean, I think that, I mean, if you look at the teams that they've played and, and you know, kept out, you, know, yeah. you can't break them off. I would love to see, like, an African team won and, and do it.
1: Their fans have been tremendous as well. Yeah. Although my friend Zach would disagree with that, because he was at the Canada-Morocco game and there was a little bit of uh, stuff after it as the Moroccan fans tried to enter the Canadian family section to like goad folk and things nearly kicked off a little bit. So, like, I've spoken about him before, like he's a pastor, so he's a he's a man of God and a really mild-mannered man. So he nearly got into a physical altercation at that game. And then the same day, he went to Germany, Costa Rica. And at the end of the game, the German fans, after they'd been knocked out, were getting goaded by some local Qatari fans. And he's on this viral video of hitting a Qatari fan with a flag, <laughs> a German flag, whilst wearing his Canada shirt. Well, Meisenheimer
4: doesn't sound very Canadian to me, to be honest. No, definitely sounds he, like Yes, of German, German descent. Is. Yes,
1: Meisenheimer. Um, so he's the common denominator in all the crowd violence. I, I'm trying yes, to say, so Absolutely. But I, I'd I, love I'm, Morocco to do it as well. But
0: I've got uh, I've got two more quick things about the World Cup. One. Um, Sorry, Michael, but Canada might have to go down as the biggest underachievers at the World Cup. Yeah, you promised but, us. You
1: promised us good, and they were shite. Uh, no, I I agree, but I would say two of the teams from their group are in the semi-finals now. Yeah, and the other team was Belgium, who turned out to be absolute piss. Uh, everyone here's saying that though, because they're holding that up as like, look, we're in this tough group. It shows that we're we're going to do well next time. But then the counter argument to that is. England and Belgium made it out of their group last time. And who were the other two teams? Tunisia and Panama. And they haven't exactly gone on to light the world up either. But no, Canada were a big disappointment.
0: My other one was, uh, he's been getting absolutely ripped for it, but I quite enjoyed Sam Matterface's thing when Kane missed the penalty. And he said, we wanted Gary Lineker and we got Chris Waddell. Oh. Oh, that's a brave thing to say straight after your captain's just missed a penalty. It was funny. Oh, nice. He's been getting serious abuse
1: for it. Oh, because I didn't have that as the commentator. I think I had Peter Drury and Andy um, Townsend. And...
0: Lee, Lee Dixon was also absolutely unbearable as a co-commentator. Absolutely unbearable. Just, uh, yeah. Anyway.
1: I, I mentioned to you guys that we had, like, Stephen Caldwell, Scottish, and Kevin Kilbane, Irish, on our panel. And I, afterwards, Caldwell's asking a question. He's got a big beaming smile on his face about the missed penalty. And Kilbarn's just smiling and nodding. It was it was so nice. <laughs> but that is it for this episode of the show. We will be... Oh, I don't know if we'll be back next Sunday because it's the World Cup final.
4: We'll try and do it earlier.
1: Not too early, minding that I'm eight hours behind you. <laughs> I'm Very. not a morning person. But we'll, we'll sort something out anyway, but... Even if we maybe do it on the Monday or something, we'll sort something out. But we will be back soon, hopefully to talk about an East Fife win as well against Dren because that's the most important game next weekend. I think everyone can agree with that. But as always, thank you for listening. Keep in your suggestions on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold or Glory Days of Gold at gmail.com. Anyone got any final fun things they want to say? Well, we just say goodbye.
4: Let's say goodbye. Okay.
1: Goodbye, everyone. Au revoir.
2: Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course banner, All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that thing Wells Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys and black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy and i would have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore From those glory days ago might return once more.